Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails, the podcast where two lifelong Giants fans talk about their favorite baseball team while enjoying homemade cocktails. I'm your host, Ben Henry, along with my brother and co-host, Matthew Henry. Say hello, Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Awesome. How are you doing this week? Much better than last week. Thank you. That is right. That is right. We are we are both doing much better since last week. The Giants went five and one this week, taking a short two game series in its entirety from the Arizona Diamondbacks and going three and one, winning the last three in a row in Chavez Ravine against the unbeatable Los Angeles Dodgers. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a fantastic week. I think night and day since uh, the previous week. And um, oh, I'm realizing I didn't say the date, man. You know, I can't do one of these intros without messing it up, oh, right? No. I can't. So I can't. Par for I can't. the course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, today is Sunday, May 30th. A refreshing week. A A relieving week, a week where, well, I don't know, Matthew, did, did things return to normal or did, did things go from normal to abnormal? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really, I, I don't know. I'm at a loss to say, but. um, What, what is uh, normal then? I I mean, come on. Well, I'll tell you what is normal. Normal is, is, is us drinking cocktails and talking about baseball. That's what's normal. So let me ask you, Matthew, what are you drinking this week? Well, this week, uh, luckily, I did not have to break out a suffering bastard once again. I was a little worried that I might have to do that, uh, especially after the first loss to the Dodgers, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, But instead, I'm going an entirely different route. I have been exploring the wonders of Angostura bitters. Yes. and I know I know you're a fan and, you know, and I'm a cocktail newbie. And so I I wasn't really sure what to make of the bitters. Uh, and so I started looking for cocktails that might kind of complement the bitters or allow me to you know make them be a focal point. And so I found a drink, which is a tiki-esque kind of drink called the Queen's Park Swizzle. Okay. Oh, a swizzle. Yeah. And, uh, and it originated actually out of a, a hotel bar called the Queens Park Hotel in Trinidad. Oh, okay. Uh, in, in the, I think it was the 1920s. So the, the, the drink itself is, is pretty nice. It's got a, a couple ounces of rum and uh, the, the more higher proof rum, the better. Uh, according to to some, uh, it's got Demerara uh, syrup, but it's a it's a two to one uh, ratio of sugar to water in the Demerara syrup. A rich, and simple syrup. Rich, that's called simple syrup. Thank you. And I've got an ounce of lime juice, and about eight mint leaves that you muddle with the rum, and get get it all minty inside, uh, and then. I've seen several several recipes kind of vary on the amount of bitters. Some were like two. Some I saw were as high as eight. Oh, so I went with six. I went wow. six dashes of Angostura bitters, and uh, so I thought, hey, I'm going in on this bitters thing, and I'm going to try this out. And and you know, at, when I first took my first sip, you know, what hits you is this the 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 flavor 
of the Angostura bitters is definitely prominent in the in the drink. Yes. Uh, and, but the the Demerara syrup kind of mellows it out and, and the lime juice, you know, even though it's tart, has a little sweetness, too. And the rum is sweet. So it just it works. And I was I was surprised. I'm actually really enjoying this drink. And it's a, it's a tall drink in a Collins glass and with lots of crushed ice. Yep. And uh, so it's really refreshing. And I, you know, I'm liking the flavor of the Angostura. Like I um, wasn't really sure, you know, what, if that would be too much, uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And I guess, you know, if you're making this drink at home, you know, you could start with two dashes of bitters and then add. I didn't do that. I just went straight for six. So, you know, I might, I might try it a little bit different just to see the different flavors that that kind of imparts. But uh, this was, this was really great. So I'm enjoying it. And uh, so thank you for uh, introducing me to bitters. You know, this is one of the staples that you have to have in your homemade bar, which I am, you know, in the middle of assembling. And, and so, yeah, I'm drinking a Queens Park Swizzle. And the reason they call it a Swizzle is actually when they make the drink, uh, there's actually a special stick that has, it's a wooden stick that has little spikes on it that you put into the glass and then you rub it between your hands and it swizzles the drink, you know, swishes it around. And so that's why it's called the Swizzle. Uh, so very refreshing, I would recommend. And with that, Ben, what are you drinking? Well, I will get to that, but wow, I, I sometimes I, I I would like for us to go deeper into the cocktails because that is a cocktail. The one that you just mentioned is is one that I would love to go deep on because I love swizzles, and as you rightly mentioned, I love uh, Angostura bitters. I like all different kinds of bitters. I, I think it's a really interesting part of the mixology craft is experimenting with bitters and even eventually making your own, which I have never attempted to do, but is definitely one of those those things that, that eventually you're going to get to if you get deeper and deeper into the hobby. But anyway, that being said, you know, your cocktail is definitely a bitters focused cocktail, which is obvious just because of the sheer amount of dashes that they had you put into the recipe. Typically you won't see more than two. And that is because bitters are very, very strong flavored um, substances, right? Uh, ingredients, they are very, very strong, strongly flavored, very, very uh, condensed flavors. And a little goes a long way. So when a drink asks for eight, up to eight dashes, it is saying this is the centerpiece of this cocktail. This is what this cocktail is is meant to to be about. But you know, any cocktail with uh, you know one fifty one rum in it is 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 a good cocktail in in my in my book anyway. So and rich simple syrup. Wow, I don't you know. There's so many things about that cocktail to break down. I'm just gonna skip them all and just say. Very, very nice choice. I like that one. I think I might just go make one of those right after we're done recording this podcast. But anyway, what am I drinking? I am drinking a much simpler cocktail. It's called the Espresso Martini. And the reason I chose this cocktail is actually coming out of the disaster that was last week when I was drinking the Mind Eraser. You know, that the Mind Eraser, remember, was a layered drink, and at the bottom layer was Kahlua. And I remember as, as I was making the jokes about how I was drinking all the vodka first and then diving down into the Kahlua, I was thinking to myself, I really do like Kahlua. 
it's a really great liqueur. And I thought I want to make some more uh, Kahlua based cocktails. And this is a standard cocktail, the espresso martini. It is, it has an official recipe uh, from the international association of bartenders, which I guess is like this body that I, I I'm, guess I shouldn't be surprised that they exist, but they do. And they have official recipes for uh, all kinds of cocktails, standard cocktails. And that's what I'm doing here. I have a ounce of Kahlua, an ounce of, well, it's supposed to be espresso, but really I'm using a dark roast coffee from the island of Kauai, which I, I, I brewed it really strong, I guess is how you would say it. And then uh, combine those with uh, one and three quarters ounces of vodka. And you add roughly a quarter ounce of, of simple syrup. I found that the simple syrup is really not that necessary if you're using a smooth vodka, which you should always be using like a, at least five filtered vodka. I prefer seven. And, and really, if you're using a coffee that's relatively, that's not super acidic, super, super bitter, um, the, the more bitter your, your coffee is, probably the more simple syrup you're going to want to put in there uh, just to help balance the cocktail. Uh, the Kahlua, although, though, brings a lot of sweetness with it already. So it's, um, it's just your basic coffee cocktail. And it's quite refreshing. Oh man, that's been staring at me in the face for a long time. And, We're so good uh, to wait to take your sips. I, I know. I, I I didn't used to be that way, you know. And I just there's just something about it. I, I feel like I'm cheating if I'm drinking it before. And here's the other thing: I have a really hard time stopping once I start. And we would end up in this awkward situation where I've actually finished it before we get to the part where you ask me what are you drinking? Because at that point, I would be like nothing because my glass is empty. So. Well, it's good to know yourself. All right. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, I have to thank the Giants for losing those three games at home against the hated Dodgers because it reintroduced me to Kahlua. And I think I'm going to be dabbling with some of those Kahlua-based recipes going forward. But I strongly recommend this one. This is a, a fantastic uh, coffee cocktail. So if, if caffeine and coffee, if you like your uppers and your downers all at once, this is a great way to get that. They balance each other out. All right, I, I mm -hmm. do like I like Kahlua as well. It's uh, you know, it, it's one of those those liqueurs that you, know, you can you can do a lot with, and uh, you know, with the White Russians and the, you know, just lots of different options there. And I, I I'm now I'm thinking maybe I should try some. Yeah, a lot of different simple options too. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I love a good White Russian. Mm. Mm. But this is this week we're celebrating the espresso martini. All right. Well. As we sip our cocktails, then uh, get into our our five in one week. You know how, how nice it is to say that. Uh, I think getting to the Diamondbacks when we did, we we was right at the perfect time. We needed a team to beat up on, and the Diamondbacks were willing foils. Yeah, uh, in the middle of a, would you say a thirteen-game losing streak? Uh, yeah, I think I I don't even know. I I, I mean they were winning late. Uh, let me just double check to see what those poor Diamondbacks did today. Um, yeah, they won. They won today. So that snaps a 13-game losing streak. Uh, so I guess at the time, the Giants must have been games 10 and 11 or 9 and 10 in that losing streak. 
or maybe yeah, I don't, I don't remember them even any of the announcers even mentioning that so that's uh that was a little bit of a surprise you know i i think i think we were we were a little bit shell-shocked probably you know <laughs> we probably didn't give a darn about what the diamondbacks were doing yeah i'm not gonna lose know? any sleep over their losing streak that's no sure. <laughs> i don't think anybody really cared what was going on with the diamondbacks we were just coming off of losing three in a row at home to the hated dodgers in a season where we're trying to or you know where this team is trying to prove itself and it was a major major emotional setback so i don't think we cared at all about the diamondbacks but but yes they were in the midst of a 13 game losing streak and i don't know if that helped or not but yeah that tuesday game that first game it 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 was such a relief just because it was a dominating win you know it was a dominating win and they really really needed that after having lost those three emotionally trying games to the Dodgers and it really kind of established them. You know, you bookend that Dodger series with a 19 to four win and an eight to what one win between, you know, the diamondbacks and the reds. And you start to say, okay, well maybe we're not as good as the Dodgers, but we're still the same team that we were before we went into that Dodger series, which means we're pretty darn good. And I think it was a really, really good feeling. You know, it, it just helped me go back. It helped me at least say, okay, yeah, this team is, this team is still good. You know, Gosman is still Gosman. The oh. offense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- thank God for Gosman. You know, I mean, that, that guy, he has become, I mean, the epitome of the stopper, right? I mean, he is, He's our ace, the guy that you just, you know, going even today against Kershaw, I felt really good with with Gosman on the mound. And that was even before the first inning. So I just, you know, let's look. I mean, he struggled a little. I mean, he threw a lot of pitches against the Diamondbacks, mainly because he maybe because he struck out nine and in five innings. I mean, yeah. he, gosh, it's so good to have a guy like that where when you just lost three in a row. And then he right. comes in and just says, no, boys, tonight we're we're getting back in the wind column. And uh, it was great. And I just hope I know today he got a little dinged up, had to leave a little early, I hope, you know, hip tightness, they said. Well, so hopefully he's. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Kapler said in the postgame interviews that it actually had been something that's bothering him for a while, which actually made me feel better about the situation. And I don't know if that's reasonable, but. But, you know, I was worried that he had just injured himself on that last play that he made to end his outing today where he, you know, he got that that ball that basically that that dribbler. dribbler, Yeah. Yeah. And and it looked like he jammed his hip a little bit. And I was worried that it was sort of a catastrophic sudden injury that had happened right then and there. But no, they said he'd been working through it for a couple of weeks and and that kind of that movement there. You know, that, you know, after he'd been, you know, performing for a while today, just kind of made it feel a little bit more on edge. And so they did the right thing and they took him out. But I do want to jump back to that first game against the Diamondbacks, though, because uh, they did take him out after five minutes because he did throw a lot of pitches and the bullpen performed really, really well. And I I think... I think we would be remiss to not at least mention it because it was actually a series of names that you don't usually see. All right. Every blind dog finds a snack every now and then. Okay. (laughs) 
don't be like going all the bullpen uh, how great they did because you know fast forward to the next game and you know, a couple other games so i don't want to hear it all right yeah 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 they did okay uh garcia alvarez and sam selman how great they pitched with a six-run lead wow. they did they did well they did well i think we got to call them out when they do well because we call them out when they don't but but yes um yeah you know and then game two i think is also not a game that we should bypass you know i i think game two was again in a different way a great game because you know cueto got into a little bit of trouble they were down early and and the offense again, had its second good game in a row. You know, this is an offense that really, really struggled against the Dodgers for, especially on games one and two of the series in San Francisco. And they were pretty quiet in game two of the Arizona series until they weren't, right? I mean, uh, Slater hits that game-tying home run and then Vossler goes back to back. Vossler, you know, hits his first major league home run to get the game winning RBI. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a great resilient win. And again, a really another, another great outstanding performance from the giants bullpen this time though, this time it was not a surprise because the names that were involved in that one were Barriger, McGee, Rogers, and Tropiano. Your boy so, got his first win. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't want to overlook that the, the Diamondback series because I do think it was really important. It reinstilled, at least I think in me, and I know I'm just a fan, but it reinstilled my faith in what I had already seen this team do. To wrap up the, the Diamondback series, I think, uh, you know, what it was great was that comeback in the, in the, second, you know, in the second game. You know, seeing guys like Slater and Vossler, you know, again, really uh, speak to our depth. I know we've talked about that in the past, but I'm just amazed that guys can just roll off the bench like Slater does and pinch hit two run home run. You know, and then Vossler comes up right after him and hits you know his first career home run, and it was pretty cool to see that. And I think that's kind of what makes this team so exciting. Is that I think actually I heard I think I heard Kruko today or Kuiper one of them say. They've never had a team where they felt like any one guy can go up and do damage and, and like they do this year. And I, I totally believe that. I think this is every guy that comes up, feel, I feel like has the tools to get a hit and to, to do damage, you know, and, and there have been years past where you're like, oh, great. Here's, you know, we got the seven, eight, nine hitters and, you know, we just might as well just fast forward through this inning. And, and I don't even feel like that's that's a realm now. I think, you know, you got guys like the bottom of the order that, you know, can hit. And so that is a really great uh, part of our team. And, you know, guys like Vossler, who, you know, were signed early in the offseason to add depth and now are coming up and showing it. It's, you know, it's really great to, to see that. And I think, you know, that will, you know, it helps. It's, it's the reason why our team is, is where it's at right now, I think. It's nothing short of miraculous, quite honestly. The, and this is the part, this is what the, the thing about Farhan Zaidi that I think just amazes me is his ability to find people like this right? These, these guys are available to everyone. You know, it's not like the, the rest of the league didn't know these guys existed and, and his ability to find them and, and get these guys who can make contributions on both sides of the ball is just, is just nothing short of miraculous. I, I think, 
you, you know, you're talking about any guy who who can, you know, make a contribution at the plate. And I totally agree with you. I, I in my mind, I think the only guy that I look at who to me is like, oh yeah, he's probably not going to come yeah. through here and get a hit Casale. right here. It's Casale. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and at the same time, I don't care. I don't care <laughs> at all about Casale not getting catching it. five shutouts in a row. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah. he clearly makes the, the, the rotation and the entire staff better. He's as good as Buster Posey behind the plate. It seems to me. So, you know, and, and uh, if he's the guy that's out there, the one guy that's, you know, maybe not going to make a contribution at the plate, then, then so be it. I don't care. Every other guy, yeah, like you, you can count on to either make contact and he can he can hit a home run, but not just that. It's also the defense, you know. I think right now, at least the the, the roster that they had today uh, on Sunday, May thirtieth, they had six center fielders. <laughs> Is that right? Like, and I think they could they can actually because of the versatility of those guys, they can put five of them on the field at a time Lamont Wade Jr. Like that guy's a center fielder who plays a very good first base. Yes. I mean, did you see the plays that he was making? Yeah. Like serious? He, I, I, he looked like, he looked like Brandon Belt over there. I mean, it was, he did look it was like amazing. Brandon Belt, especially the throws he was making yeah. to second base. Exactly. Those yeah. are not easy throws to make. I mean, I can't make any throw, but you know, I mean, I've heard enough of, of Dwayne Kuyper and Mike Kruko telling me how hard those throws are to make that, that I believe it, you know, the, and they look hard, right? Because you're throwing from behind a runner who's advancing away from you and you need to hit a target when you have this massively wide area behind you where it can just be a disaster of a throw. And, and he made that target. You're throwing yeah. it at the base, right? It's... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, and he made that throw really, really well, but not only that, he was, you know, he was making picks. He was fielding his position really well. He was working with, you know, the, the pitcher coming over to cover first base really well. He played that position like it was his natural position. And, you know, but not only him, right, who was he was also great at the plate against the Dodgers uh, this series, but a guy who I have been high on since spring training and, and talked about them turning into a super sub and has demonstrated that is Maurizio Dubon. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> he didn't have a good Dodgers series in defensively speaking. And I don't think the Giants did in general. Their defense, which had been virtually perfect uh, up until the Dodgers series, looked a little lax this series, um, which, which was nice because they still went three and one, right? And I don't think their defense factored into the one loss. But, but Dubon is a great defensive player in center field, shortstop, and second base. And that is a tremendous, tremendous asset. And uh, not only that, I mean, the guy's just a fun guy. I you loved know? his little like sword. He did his bower <laughs> sheathing the right. sword as he That's crossed right. the plate today. That's right. Oh man, that, that made me laugh. I was, oh. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. I mean, you know, I, I felt like, okay, look, that kind of validates Bowers, you know, position in the Giants Dodger <laughs> rivalry a little bit. So I was kind of like, don't give him that respect. But at the same time, it was pretty nice. And he had the accidental watch it on that home run. I mean, maybe we're jumping ahead here, but that home run that he hit today against Kershaw, <laughs> first of all, any giant who hits a home run against Kershaw is a hero in my book. Yes. But that was a monster shot today. And he just stood there 
and watched it. He was and watching, that, though, because he thought it was going to go foul. Well, right? yeah, sure. Fine. Fine. OK, whatever. <laughs> whatever. But if you watch it back on playback and you don't really think about that, it totally looks like Maurizio Dubon is showing up Clayton Kershaw because that's right. I just did that to you. And then he drops just, the bat like you're dropping the mic. Right. I mean, exactly. He just it. Yeah, it was that was nice. <laughs> and, but that's the thing too because he's a little bit of a showman yeah. i mean i think there is like you know i think i was last week i was i was i was mentioning how there doesn't really seem to be any giants who who plays that way who has that flash or that flair i think we're starting to see a little bit of that come out of Maurizio dubon well, yeah i is, think it's as he's starting to feel comfortable and he's starting to play well you know he's getting confidence yeah. so i think we're seeing the real Mauricio, yeah out there. and did you hear him all mic'd up last week or when when he was in cincinnati, cincinnati? yes mm-hmm. yeah uh his mic'd up you go back on if any of you did not hear that you can google it on youtube and hear Mauricio dubon on uh you know talking uh, right he, he has he was a great Great Wilson. Uh, first of all, I didn't know he was the backup backup catcher. I did uh, not know so. that either, but it makes sense, right? Of course he would be. <laughs> of course yeah. he would be. Right. Yeah. Why not? One more position. Why not? Uh, so anyway, okay. Well, you know, and, and I think the only last thing to, to wrap up this Diamondback series was uh, you know, what I thought was interesting is that Rogers came in to close out the ninth in there and then had proceeded to have a Brian Wilson like ninth inning. And uh, I don't know how he got out of that you know, ending with the save, but he did. And well, we never knew how Brian Wilson got out of them either. So that's, that's, <laughs> you know, if we're, if we're going to go back to torture baseball, then that's, that's torture baseball. Oh, and yeah. And, and then, you know, but fast forward to the Dodgers series, they flip-flopped and McGee wasn't any better. So it's, uh, you know, I guess it's just gray hair, gray hair ninth from, from here on out. You know, it's. Uh... Well, it's torture baseball. It is torture baseball. It's torture baseball. And I, I think, I, I think. Kruko um, even mentioned that today at the end of the game. He said that was Yeah, Kruko and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I mean, I guess we're into the Dodgers series now at this point. Anyway. We're in. And, and, and that, that first game, man, I thought that was our chance to win a game. That was the bullpen game. The Dodgers were throwing like Price and a right. bunch of guys you never heard of. And I was Absolutely. like. Absolutely. They should have won like, that game. That's they should have won it. Win, man. I For was sure. like, okay. And we're coming off, we just we just took two from the Diamondbacks. We're, you know, and and then we just we couldn't even get on base. I mean, we got I mean it was a home run derby that game, right? All the runs were hit were scored by home runs. Both yeah, the, the most boring home run derby ever. Yeah. Yeah. And because there weren't and, very many home runs. No. And it just it, I mean, you, nobody was on base. You just kind of hoped for someone to run into one. And it was it was awful. And yeah, I don't even want to spend a lot of time on it. because well, I just feel Well, like no, I mean, the one thing I do want to say is that it's the second start in a row where I think Alex Wood, who, you know, wanted to beat the Dodgers so yes. bad, so bad. And he pitched a great game makes one mistake in each game and that's and that's why he loses because his offense wouldn't show up for him i don't know it seems to me like he's he's the matt kane of this year or or, you know i I hope for his sake that's not true but it it just it was unfair because alex wood has had two great outings in a row against one of the best if not the best lineups in baseball and has done performed really really well against it and especially in that second game when they had just seen him a week before, you know, so I, I think, I think it was really disappointing and I will agree with you, like coming into the series, you know, we said last week that really what we wanted out of the series was a split. All the giants needed to do was go two and two in the series and then continue to play 500 baseball against the Dodgers all through the rest of the season. And, and that would be enough for them to protect their wild card position and I looked when I looked at the series ahead of time and I said, okay, looking at the pitching matchups, 
to me, yeah, Friday night was the one sure thing that the Giants had. That to me was like, okay, the Giants here should at least be favored. Thursday not, Thursday. Sorry, Thursday night. Yeah, the first yeah. game of the series. Yeah, Thursday night. And so my my feeling there was that that should be the game that they're favored, or at least was their best chance to win. Like, I don't know how the I don't know how the uh, the odds Vegas. makers, <laughs> yeah, Vegas had it, but but to me that was clearly their best chance to win. They had Wood going against their bullpen, and and the Giants should have won that game. And then I looked at you know Friday and Saturday, and those to me, those, those were tough me. matchups. Yeah, those they were scary. Me. You well, know, and Urias I, and and Bueller against Desclafani and, and Webb. And both of them pitched great against us in, in San Francisco. Oh, so. they were. I mean, I was like, I, I even if Webb and Desclafani pitched really, really good games, they're probably still not quite as good as those two guys. And yeah. so we're probably going to lose both of those games. So I had those, you know, penciled in as losses. And then I had Sunday today as a coin flip because it was Kershaw versus Gosman. Yeah, and if. And you ask me, I think Gosman is having a better year than Kershaw for he sure. Is. Yeah. But the Giants against Kershaw, I mean, Kershaw tells the San Francisco Giants what to do, and they do it with gusto. You know, <laughs> like he tells them to grovel in the dirt, and they grovel in the dirt. He tells them to eat doo doo, and they eat doo doo like it's their favorite meal. That's what it's been like for 50 starts against Clayton Kershaw. And so I thought in my mind, fine, it's a coin flip. Gosman is better, but Kershaw owns the San Francisco Giants. I mean, I didn't, you know, I think that's probably true. He's actually an owner of the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> and if he isn't, he probably should be at this point. He should probably have, you know, at least a a, a a partial ownership of the San Francisco Giants the way he has dominated them over his career. And so I thought, okay, that's a coin flip at best. And it turns out that's the one game they lose. <laughs> and 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 Clayton Kershaw, Maurizio Dubon and Austin Slater are like, we eat him for breakfast. Right. You know, and that's the 2021 San Francisco Giants. And thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. Um, but I do want so let's talk about game two because I do think there were some interesting things about game two uh, that I really, I, I do want to point out. Yeah. Well, I, I think first to talk about game two, you, you, you have to talk about Steven Duggar. And I mean, that guy has, we were talking, I don't know if we talked about it on air, but you and I at various points during the season have been like, well, he's the last guy, right? I mean, he's the guy that's going to get DFA'd, but they need somebody. I mean, that was kind well, of he wasn't like, He wasn't on the opening day roster. Right. And, and you knew this was his, this year was his last chance. This was his last chance, possibly in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah. This season, and, yeah. and let me, let me read you his stats. So on the season, okay, he's batting 295 with a 348 on-base percentage and an 890 OPS. The last 15 games, he's batting 367 with a 406 on-base percentage and a 733 slugging. The last seven games, he's batting 412 with a (laughs) 444 on-base percentage. Uh, the guy is, I mean, he, he is making a statement that he's here to stay and which is, I'd love that. I mean, he was such a light hitting 
couldn't really ever hit enough to stay. Defense was never a question, but couldn't really hit enough to be a help to the team. And he has just really turned it around this year. And, you know, when he hit that homer in the fifth, which kind of started setting the tone and I just, you know, um, I, I love that guy. And, and I, this whole series, he's just been a really, really good player. And I am a little shocked. Uh, just, you know, where does Steven Duggar come from? And, and here he is playing pivotal roles, uh, which I, I didn't see coming. So that's why I just want to say that because I feel like, you know, he, he, he was, a, he's played a pivotal role in the series and, and, and in the last two weeks, especially like, holy crap. No, I mean, he's been amazing. He's been outstanding. He and Austin Slater both. And I think they were both kind of in that same category of like, you know, you're almost past the point of your opportunity here. You, you, you maybe shouldn't be getting the opportunity that you're getting. You know, you haven't done enough yet and it's time to move on. I think that's both where Slater and Duggar were. And I think both of them now are stepping up and demonstrating what everybody wanted to see from them for so long. But yeah, I think Duggar is definitely the bright, bright star. I mean, first of all, he is tremendous. He's a great center fielder. He's a great outfielder defensively. And he always has been. He's got great speed. And now that he's doing it at the plate and he's, yeah, he's, I mean, this, like you said, you know, the stats that you just read off, but, you know, this is a year where batting averages are down across the board. So you see anybody hitting over 300, it's a big deal. And, and that's one of the reasons why Buster Posey is so exciting because Buster Posey is so dominant. He looks like the best he has ever looked. And then you, you have to factor in, this is one of the hardest seasons it's ever been in the history of baseball for people to get a base hit. And it's so guys who are doing it and doing it well, should really, really be commended. And, and Duggar is one of those guys. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, thank goodness, right? Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing how much depth there that they have, but, but yeah, I think a, a tremendous story from that game without a doubt. I mean, I think obviously not the biggest story from no. that game, so, but before well, yeah. we get to the biggest story from that game, I do want to talk about Anthony Desclafani because a couple of things happened in this game that I do want to mention and I do want to call out because, first of all, that was not Desclafani's spot in the rotation. It wasn't. They pushed him up a day to make that start. And I at least want to mention that because I really went after the front office and Gabe Kapler last week when I talked about how the Dodgers prepared themselves for that series and both both from a before the series started and how they managed the series while they were in it they managed that series to go for the sweep to optimize their chances of winning not just in the game they were in but in the games to come and i really really felt like the giants didn't do that i also mentioned that they have you know, the Giants don't have the same pieces that the Dodgers do. They can't make the same kind of maneuvers that the Dodgers can because even though the Giants are deep, that depth has all been built miraculously and out of thin air by Farhan Zaidi in practically in what, a year, maybe a year and a half. And so it's not the same thing as what the Dodgers have. But that being said, the Giants made a move where they thought they were giving themselves a better chance to win by moving Desclafani up. So I just appreciated that. I appreciated that they made that move because they didn't know what they were going to get out of Webb. 
they 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 knew in their minds that maybe Bueller was probably a tougher matchup than Urias, and so they said, okay, look, let's take the one known quantity that we have and move him up against Bueller and have him go again, and let's just hope that that outing that he had last week was an anomaly. And Desclafani wasn't great, but he was light years better than he was last week, and. You know, he was equally good as Bueller in this game, which wasn't saying a lot because Bueller wasn't as strong like the Giants offense. Either Bueller wasn't as strong or the Giants offense had a much better approach or a combination of the two or just just knew him and seen had seen him before. And so we're more comfortable. But the point is, Desclafani, even though he didn't pitch enough to even get a decision in that game. He gutted it out and he grinded through it. He did enough to keep the Giants in the game. And, and I just wanted to call that out because I thought that was a really gutsy performance for him. And I'm still a little bit worried about him regressing to the mean or maybe being tired. I'm, that's still a concern that I have because we haven't seen a really strong outing from him from, from start to finish in a while. And I mean, he did have that good outing against the Reds, but, but even that started rough. So so I'm still concerned about Desclafani maintaining the level of performance that he had at the beginning of the season, but that was a nice thing to see. The guy went out and he competed, and it was also a nice thing to see the Giants at least trying to do something, at least trying to do a little bit to, to maximize their chances of winning in this series. Yeah, I think Desclafani did great. I think his his biggest weakness uh, in that start was just his walks. I mean, he... Uh, he allowed four walks in four uh, and two thirds. And so, you know, combined with five hits, it's amazing he didn't give up more runs uh, than the two he gave up. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, he he definitely, uh, you know, pitched well enough for the team to obviously be in it and and to be able to come back. And, you know, the, again, the bullpen did fairly well until... <laughs> yes, until what this game was really about. Because I, yes. none of those things are what this game was about. Right. This game yeah. was about two at bats. I mean, and obviously it wasn't because because a lot of things happened before that and a lot of things happened after that. But at the end of the day, this game was about two at bats. And I honestly feel like the game was nearly lost and then nearly won on those two at bats. And strangely enough, they were both while the Giants were pitching. So what <laughs> happened, Matthew? Well, I mean, uh, everybody knows what happened, but let's relive it. Yeah, please. yeah. Well, you know, I mean, obviously the three run homer by Austin Barnes to to tie it up. Uh, Rogers comes in and I, just going to happen. <laughs> just knew it. You knew I was, it, right? I, yeah. Like, I, and it's it was not, too easy. You weren't going to be like, oh, but supposedly puts it up by three and Rogers is going to come in and close the door. And we're going to. Yeah. And it's in, not man. because I don't believe in Rogers. I believe in Rogers. You don't believe in Rogers. I don't believe. In I Rogers. love Rogers. I think he's fantastic. But even I knew I was like, oh, damn, there's three, there's two guys on. Oh, no, I know what's going to happen. And then right. I saw Pools walk up to the plate and I was like, oh, God. Well, well, yeah. Well, I mean, so Austin Barnes, you know, like Austin Barnes out of yeah. all the all the Dodgers that are going to tie the game. Austin Barnes is the yeah. guy that runs into one, right? But, and, he, but uh, let's time out on that Austin Barnes thing in one minute because I do want to mention one thing. Austin Barnes was their last guy on the bench and he's their backup catcher. Yeah. But here's the thing. That was their last so they, so You mean they didn't pinch hit a pitcher there? This is what I'm saying. Dave <laughs> Roberts had all of his ducks in a room. He was ready 
for that moment. And he put his players in a position to succeed. And they did. Dave Roberts is a better X and O's manager than Gabe Kapler is. He should and have pinched hit Urias. Come on, man. <laughs> Urias has four RBIs against the Giants, man. He should have just. That's got to change, Gabe Kapler. That's got to change. <laughs> He's still better than you. A lot of people are still better than you. I like a lot of things about what you do off the field, but when it comes to X's and O's, buddy, you got some growing to do. And that was a perfect example of a good manager having the pieces that he needed when he needed them. And is Austin Barnes supposed to hit a three-run homer there? No. No, Pujols was supposed to hit the three-run home. Right, right. Yeah, yes. Barnes was just supposed to get on. But the thing is, he had the piece there when he needed it, and then he used it. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. I think that is a good example of what a good X's and O's manager does. Okay, continue. All right, well, of course, then, then Pujols comes up. And at this point, you know, I've already started mixing my second drink. I'm ready to drown my sorrows. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and of course, pool holes, because you oh, know yeah. what's going to happen, right? Oh, you yeah. know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You know, Mr. No, Albert Angel, Pujols, not good enough to play. Yeah, the washed you know, up anymore. Hall of Famer. Yeah, that, that but except against the Giants. You know, needs, he's, a cane, needs a cane to get to the get to home plate. Right. So yeah. he launches this rocket to left. And, and I'm like, that's it. As soon as it left his bat, I was like, game over. Right. Okay. And then, true, true, okay, come to okay. San Francisco Giants fans, which one of you thought that that ball wasn't going out? And not because you just saw how hard it was hit or, or anything. Just as soon as the ball was in the air, we all knew that was going out. Right? Sure. If you've been we a Giants fan it. for more than five minutes, you just felt in your heart that that was going out. That right? was going out. Yeah. That was a home run. That was, and it was going to add to the chapters of giant lo- tortured losses to the Dodgers. Yep. And, you know, it was going to be like, remember Pujols when he was on the Dodgers for like three months and, <laughs> you know, before they DFA'd him and yeah, uh, he hit that walk off because, you know, the only teams that he hit well against was the San Francisco Giants. Right, right. Well, <laughs> but Mr. Talkman said not today, Albert. And uh, which was a pretty amazing play. I mean, I can't believe I mean, it was, I mean, even the camera work was just perfect to see his glove go over the fence and grab that that shot before it, it, went, you know, was, it was amazing. It was a moment of magic. It was so beautiful. And I still can't believe it. I still can't believe that ball didn't go out. I still can't believe that wasn't a home run. And and the way that Talkman played it, and maybe because he was a little banged up coming back, coming <laughs> off the thing, and he was like, he's like, I'm still just gonna make sure that all that I that all I'm the parts alive <laughs> and all the parts still work. I'm not gonna hold this ball up. But you could tell the whole and and just it he it turned the dagger right in everybody's hearts. I think there were only like three Dodger fans that knew that that ball was caught because they were right there. Yeah, and I think that's actually what everybody else was reacting to was the fans. Because the fans were making this reaction like, I can't believe he just did that. And everybody else was like, why are the fans acting like that? Yeah. <laughs> but oh. it was, I mean, what? And that's that won the game for them, Matthew. It did. That, yeah, well, that and- won the game for them. Because, because like, just, just look how bad we felt when Barnes hit that home run. Yeah. And then 
it, it possibly changed the series because I mean, how do you come? It back might have from, changed the season. Yeah, how do you come <laughs> back from a game like that, right? I mean, you pull you're up by you know three and the two outs in the ninth, and then all of a sudden pull holes. And then the, know, the, the the Hall of Famer who just doesn't have anything left. Yeah, puts like, the I, dagger in your heart. Like and I, that, that would have been a devastating loss. And the, I got to call you out. I got to call you out. Right, after that me. inning, you sent me a text saying, <laughs> well, you know, they're still going to lose. It's extra innings and the Giants don't win extra inning games. The Giants had won one extra innings game before that. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you were underestimating the the aptitude of a Mr. Lamont Wade Jr. Lamont Wade Jr., baby. Oh, my goodness. And then, uh, you know, and then we had Longoria making Teach sure. me how wrong I'm, sir. Teach me how wrong I am. Well, not only Lamont, yeah, Lamont Wade, man, since he's come back from the disabled list has, uh, you know, he's been a tough out, like lots of walks, you know, some key hits. That guy does everything great. Yeah. I haven't seen like, it, like I, he, he's clearly on the bubble. He's a guy who's a yo-yo. He's the yo-yo right now. He's up, he's down, he's up, he's down, he's up, he's down. He's got a great stash, though. Like, so he oh, fits right man. in with the team. You know what? He's like he, one of the I, few guys who who has a good stash. Oh. And him and Evan Longoria. Yeah. Right? Like, Longoria's stash is like, and he's clearly, he's like, I'm just doing it for the kids. <laughs> like, I'm doing it because I want to be part of the team and we got a vibe going. And and I'm, a, I, you know, because I'm Evan Longoria. I know, I know what we need to do, and that's why I'm doing the stash. But it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, he's got the five o'clock shadow with the with the like, you know, the next morning stash, uh, and it's just perfect. It's just perfect, Evan. Your mustache is perfect, but but it's not really a mustache. It's just a little heavy overgrowth. Lamont Wade Jr.'s mustache. Lamont Wade Jr.'s mustache is so good. He looks like he should be a member of the village people. Like I feel yeah. like I feel like he should have a cop <laughs> uniform on with, with uh, mirrored sunglasses. Yes, yes. And he you know, could keep YMCA. that the rest of the season, and everybody be like, "Oh, that's fine. Oh yeah, he looks. It looks good on him." I mean, you know, the Giants treat him like he's a quadruple A player, but whenever I see him, I'm like major leaguer. Yeah, you know, and. And, and I think that just speaks to the depth that they've created, you know, I, I don't know. But anyway, I think that game, like, I think Lamont Wade Jr. was the star of that game overall in terms of overall performance across all the innings of the game. And clearly Talkman's play was the play of the season, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it, and, 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 it, and it probably will be the play of the season. Right. I, I don't know that any other players plays can be better than that. At best they can equal it. And Talkman's play was the play of the season. And, you know, both of those Farhan Zaidi specials, baby. <laughs> Farhan Zaidi specials. You know, he went out, he got a guy. It was a move that maybe seemed small at the time or even was perplexing, like Wandy Peralta, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wandy Peralta, like, I'm glad you're gone, dude. <laughs> I'm glad you're gone because if you're not gone, that home run lands and the Giants lose that game because Talkman is still in the Yankees organization. You know, yeah, I, I just, right. but it, why, but it, why are know, we doubting, you know, yeah, we should. I, I don't know. But, but anyway, there's one little, there's one little side story that I want to tell because there's this one little sick thing that I like to do. And I think I've talked about it in the past when the Giants do good things. 
is I like to go listen to the the opposing team's broadcasters. And they have a great radio guy, Charlie Steiner, ex-ESPN, yeah, you yeah. know, sports center guy. He's their play-by-play guy on radio. He's pure. It, it's almost like he's not broadcasting any other team. He does get excited for the Dodgers when good things happen for them, though. And I went back and I listened to the pool holes talkman play. And this is the way that Charlie Steiner calls it. He calls it. He says, that's about, I don't remember exactly what he says, but I'll make it up. He says, that ball's gone. That ball's deep. It's going. It's back. It's, it's gone. A home run. Oh, no. Charlie. A walk off for the oh. Dodgers. Oh, Charlie. And then silence. No, wait, he's out. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to understand this is the radio broadcast. So they can't see it. They're just so anybody who's listening to this broadcast doesn't know what happened. Well, they think they won. They think they won. All those Dodger fans running around celebrating. Some of them in their cars, nearly crashing them because their team has just stuck a dagger in those stupid upstart giants' hearts that think they're good, putting those giants back into their place. Yeah! And it was pool holes. Yeah! Awesome! But no. <laughs> but Sorry, no, that's Charlie. not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I'm not afraid to tell you, Matthew. It gave me great, great joy to imagine all of those people hearing Charlie Steiner say, he's out. <laughs> I just, I just imagine them all. Yeah. Let's, let's take a moment to imagine them all. Oh yeah. Let's all listen. It's a moment of silence for the Dodger fans who thought they had won that game. It's so much better that they won the next two games too. Oh, oh yeah. I, I must oh, say yeah. Dodger fans on my social media feeds are um, kind of quiet today. <laughs> they, they were a little louder last Sunday. Let me tell you, they were, they were a little louder. Uh, yeah. What happened yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, Matthew, we, we, I mean, this has gone on a long time. We, we're, we're still in the yeah. week in review and I, I know we're, talking we're not for, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to make, a, we're not going to make our hour here. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but well, let's 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 just celebrate the Giants bats coming alive on Saturday. And, you know, which was you know, uh, finally. Right. And and to see the Giants start scoring runs against, you know, and it's against the Dodgers. So it's you know, and I got to say, I was actually at a um, I coach high school track and I was at a track meet that that yeah. day. And so. I wasn't really paying attention to the game and uh, you know, occasionally you'll send these texts that are kind of cryptic. And so I got one that made me think we send each other text messages, assuming that we're both watching the game. Right. Right. And so the the one you sent me one that clearly, clearly said I should check the score and uh, check the score. And, you know, there's nothing better than looking at a score, you know, that says like 10 to four or whatever it was nine to four. And I saw the score. I was like, Oh, do you think we can hold on? Like that was uh, my my question because <laughs> you know our bullpen, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but you know, then I came home that last night and I just I watched the entire game and 
you know, what, what struck me about that game, and I know we're running out of time, but we do need to talk a little bit about this. And, you know, it's Memorial Day Monday. People can listen to it longer than an hour, I think. Yeah, but uh, just, We'll go long. We'll go long today. And, Folks, and we're going to go long today. It was a special series. It's also yeah. the end of the month. We got things to talk about. We're going long. We're going Settle long. In. That's Settle right. in. That's right. So, so I thought, you know, comparing the start against Urias uh, this week, versus last week right and you know he he pitched a really good game against us at, at oracle and uh all did and they yeah all they all did. did right and so uh, you know bauer so- bueller and yours and by the way bow uh bueller sorry bueller did get us he did go a full seven innings yeah, yeah. in that game i i mentioned that incorrectly last week i said he almost got us no the, 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 he did go the, he was the, the first one huh, to go the effer got us yes so you know, what was interesting to me was, you know, the Giants have this hitting philosophy where, you know, they they hunt pitches that they can do damage on. Right. And so even if it's a strike, they're going to let pitches go that they don't feel they can basically hit home runs off. Of, right. I mean, so that's that's and it's also the Dodgers philosophy. But there there is, as you pointed out to me, there are flaws in this philosophy. Right. And because basically you're waiting for a pitcher to make a mistake. Yep. And and if what happens when the pitcher doesn't make a mistake, right? Because right. one, and... there are people like Jacob Degrom out there, and two, every every major league pitcher who, by the way, if you're a major league starting pitcher, you're, you're one, one of the best, of the best to ever the world. do what yeah. you're doing. Yes. Not just today, but ever. Yes. Right. And so you have the ability to have a great day, and that great day is going to mean that you're going to make your pitches. Right. So, and yeah. so, so, so their philosophy you know, sometimes can bite them in the butt. Right. And so, you know, so what I, what, what, what I was notable to me watching the game last night when I came home was how early in the, in the counts, they were attacking pitches and they weren't waiting and which was really cool to see, you know, it was great to see them mm-hmm. being aggressive. And I know, you know, normally they, you know, that what they do works most of the time because they run up the pitch count on pitchers that maybe can't find the strike zone and you know starters are out by the fifth inning and then you get into the bullpen and so or even they can find a strike zone but the giants are striking out they're just making them or and they're fouling lots of pitches yeah right so so that works well i will going back to the to the um bullpen game the Dodgers won on, on Thursday night it doesn't work I think when you've got a pitcher that's only going to go two innings right I mean so right. it doesn't really matter whether you're running up the pitch count when a guy's only going to go two so you know that there's another flaw but I think on this case I think Urias uh, you know was was doing what he does you know he's throwing strikes and the Giants took advantage of that and it was great to see I mean the Giants are a good hitting team and yeah. and they they, they can hit it. bad balls you know and and they were ambushing him yeah. Yeah. They were ambushing him. And I don't think he expected it. I don't think the Dodgers expected it. Right. They were swinging early. They were swinging early in the count under the assumption that it was going to be a strike and that it was going to be hittable. But it also seemed to me as if they were taking a little bit of that two strike approach the entire at bat. They were they were going opposite field. They were hitting the ball where they weren't. And so the ball was finding holes against him. And I don't, maybe that was just luck, but it seemed to me like they weren't trying to hit the ball as hard as they could. They were just trying to make contact, put the ball in play. And I think in the new era, when you have these massive, crazy shifts, just putting the ball into play means 
you're going to probably put the ball into play. Well, there's a high chance that you're going to put the ball into play where there's this huge gap. And that's what they did. And they got a lot of these balls that went through because they weren't hitting the way the Dodgers expected them to. And that was, I think, really, really key. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not what they were doing, but that's kind of what it looked like to me. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. You're and and right. I think, yeah, what also, what also saw too was that, uh, you know, getting guys like Flores back, you know, they brought, he came off the IL for that game. <laughs> yeah. And, and a, you know, he's a right-handed bat that, you know, plays well against left-handers and he went, what, three for three, uh, you know, just having, an, you know, with losing rough and, you know, those kind of, uh, having Bells, Flores back yeah. and yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is huge. And, and so well, it really helped. Yeah. But yeah, but he'll play against both anyway, but I feel like, yeah. you know, uh, feel like, having someone like Flores back and then obviously you know, producing uh, was a big deal. And uh, Flores is kind of an unsung kind of guy, but he plays a pretty good, big role for us against left-handers. And, and it was good to see him back. So, yeah, I think if belt is hurt, you really need Darren Ruff and Flores to be healthy. Yeah. Right. So they can platoon there. Uh, ideally you have belt play there all the time until he demonstrates he can't. Um, and then you use him as a defensive backup, but no, I think belt is still an everyday first baseman. Yeah. When he's healthy, and he's never been 100% healthy, and that's just Brandon Belton. You'll know that. <laughs> that's right. Um, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll come back next week and then get a concussion by banging his head on the dugout ceiling or something. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, so that was a great game. Obviously, wasn't uh, wasn't close. Never was particularly close. Kind of like to have a game like that every now and then. <laughs> we, we, the Giants don't seem to play too many games where they comfortably win. Uh, so so that was, that was nice. Uh, I think... Um, you know, Webb leaving after 62 pitches was a mm. little bit of a concern. Uh, I thought maybe like, you know, maybe he hurt himself or something, but come to find that that was his, he was before the game, that that was going to be where they wanted him to. And I know that you were all like, that's Kapler being Kapler, right? I mean, Kapler just can't help himself. There was a plan and you got to stick to the plan. The man. plan is the plan. And that was the plan. So we're going to stick to the plan because that was the plan. And that's the right. plan is the plan. So we got to stick to the plan. Got to stick to the plan, man. Because that's the plan. Hasmir was supposed to pitch after Webb. Yeah. That's the plan, Matthew. But we still have to leave innings available so that we can get what the good parts of our bullpen. And I know what you're thinking. What good parts? <laughs> no. We have McGee. We have Rogers. So that was the plan. That was the plan, Matthew. And we stuck to the plan. We did the plan. That was the plan. And we're going to stick to the plan. I don't care what the game says. The game doesn't matter. What matters is what I decided three days ago. Okay. Well, you know, I, I feel like he did that because again, Alvarez has pictures of him in compromising positions. And so he <laughs> needed to get Alvarez into the game. And of course, Alvarez gives up two runs. And look, I mean, uh, the excuse, the excuse here for the web, the web thing is that web was coming off the IO, but he had only thrown 62 pitches and you brought Casimir in to face Max Muncy, who, for you know, Max Muncy has brutalized everybody. Don't get but me you started. Know, Don't get me started but, on Max Muncy. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know you've got some problems with Mac, Mon, Max Muncy. But, but here's the thing. You know who he wasn't brutalizing? He wasn't Webb. brutalizing <laughs> Logan Webb. You know, let me, let's just go back to Max Muncy's first at-bat in the game against Logan Webb when Logan Webb showed him his changeup. Oh. 
Max Max Muncy said Swung something out of his that, shoes and then was like and then, and then, on the way back. And to then the yes, he said something that I cannot repeat on this because we've decided this is a family show, a family podcast. I mean, we drink alcohol at the beginning. I don't know what we're thinking, but still, <laughs> we've made that decision and we're sticking to it. The point is, is I can't even show you. A, I couldn't even play a replay of it because you would hear Max Muncy yell out what he thought about Logan Webb's changeup which was one very loud four letter word. And, and the point is, is that nobody has shut Mac Muncy down except, well, Alex Webb shut him down and Logan Webb had shut him down. And I think Descalfani had dealt with him. Gausman shut him down. Yeah, Gausman shut him down. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, I think- Our bullpen the, has not Our shut bullpen cannot shut him down. And, and Kazmir hadn't shut him down even in the game that he started. And so, so my point is, is that Logan Webb could have gone out there to at least face Max Muncy, who was leading off the inning, right? Yeah. He could have thrown 72 pitches, right? Yes. He could have, but he didn't. And that's the sort of stuff that I get it, that you're trying to protect people's health and, and all of that sort of stuff. But come on, let the game tell you what's happening and then you respond to the game. And that is clearly not what happened in that situation. The plan was the plan and it was always the plan. So they stuck to the plan and the plan ended up being that Casimir's going to face Muncie to lead off that inning. And it was stupid. It was stupid. And they should have let Logan Webb pitch another inning period definitively. They should have, or at least faced Muncie but the plan was the plan. So they're going to follow the plan because that's what we decided before the game. So why would we change that? Why would the game dictate anything differently to us? You know, I will remind everybody, this is why we didn't make the playoffs last year because the plan was get the, get the starters out before they face the batter, the, the lineup three times in a row and get Sam Coonrod in there to give the game up. That was the plan last year. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Nothing gets you worked up more than Gabe Kapler and his doing X's and O's. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing gets me more upset than Gabe Kapler doing X's and O's. But yeah, Gabe Uh, Kapler's an ex-player that wants to be involved, man. He's got to make all the decisions to make sure that they win. And, uh, you know, it's. But, you know, I mean, at the same time, there are a lot of things that he's doing that I really, really do. like. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's easy to bag on him, but obviously he's doing a lot of things. Right. So, for example, I like what Kapler does as it relates to injuries. And I know that's a fine line, like, because that's probably what he would say he was doing in this particular case. What Kapler would say was he was protecting Webb who had just come off the IL. They didn't want him to go too deep into this game. So they were protecting him. And they have mentioned, he has mentioned many times that we listen to our starters. When our starters come to us and tell us that they're, that there's something wrong or something off, we listen and we respond. And it doesn't matter how bad any of the matchups are after that. We do <laughs> not let our starter go beyond that. So I think that's probably what Kapler would say in this particular case. But I somehow doubt that Logan Webb was telling him, I can't throw more than 62 pitches. I highly doubt that Logan Webb was not feeling good at that moment in time. I really do believe that that was part of the plan. But that being said, I actually do really, really respect that approach that the Giants are taking to injuries. Uh, 
not just as it relates to the starting pitchers, but also as it relates, especially to the veteran players like Longoria, like Belt. You know, they tried really, really hard with Belt to keep him from going on the IL. They couldn't. It didn't work there because Belt probably should have gone on the IL to begin with because clearly he wasn't he wasn't healthy. But, you know, Longoria had a stretch there where his hamstring was tight and they didn't play him much. And then he's come back and he's been great. Yeah. Right. And and they kept him from going on the I.L. for a period of time. And that was to the team's benefit. And I really, really appreciate that. I think one area, though, one area where this has become, I think, more and more controversial and will continue to become even more controversial is Buster Posey. Yeah. And their approach to Buster. Now, everybody keeps saying like he plays two days and then he takes one day off. And I, you know, first of all, Giants fans, don't let Eric Karos send you in the wrong direction. You know, that guy told you what today or yes, it was yesterday that the Giants aren't a deep baseball team. Eric Karos is a Dodger. He's always going to be a Dodger. Don't listen to that man. But First of all, he told you that Buster Posey is taking two days off and then and then and then just playing two days and then taking a day off. No, that's not what's happening. What's happening with Buster Posey is he's not playing day games after night games. Yeah, that's what Buster Posey isn't doing religiously by, by clockwork. And my question for you is, Matthew, is that the right approach? Should they keep doing that? What do you think about this approach to injuries overall? The Giants seem to be super aggressive when it comes to injuries. They're not going to do anything to compromise people's health. They're not going to move starters around like I want them to. They're not going to spot start people in games. They're not going to have Buster Posey play first base. They're not going to put people's health at risk. If anybody says, I feel a little bit funny or something's twinging, they're going to pull them out. What do you think about that? Well, I do like that aspect of it. I, I think, you know, a healthy team over the long haul, you know, is, is what we want. And this year, especially after, you know, the, the shortened season last year, you know, there's clearly a lot more injuries going on around the league. So I think, you know, being cautious and being, uh, you know, being uh, aggressive with treatment and, and pulling people when they say they've got a little, you know, niggle or whatever, I think is definitely, um, I like it. I, I think that that's something that they should keep doing. The the Buster Posey question, though, I think is a little bit more nuanced because I I think that well, yes, he's a uh, an aging catcher who you know probably does need more rest than a younger guy, and clearly it's working. I think you know you told me that he'd hit ten of his home runs this year. Seven. Been, Seven, of seven his out of his run. 10 home runs, that's right, have been uh, after a day off, right? So, you know, I don't know if that's causation, but it's certainly a, you know, a tangent that you'd be like, hmm, maybe that's what's what's driving that. But having said that, you know, I, I would like them to be a little bit more strategic around who, what kind of pitcher he's facing. And, you know, it should be, you know, I mean, if there's a tough left-hander on the mound, like a Kershaw or even, you know, an Urias, you know, Buster should be in the lineup and find his rests on diet days when there's, you know, a tough right-hander, um, you know, or, you know, you know, some days you're just not going to be able to avoid it. But I, I think that they need to be a little bit more nuanced with where his rests lie because he, he, when he's in the lineup, they are a much deeper and better team and they're going to need that. So they need to do a better job of finding him his rest than just this, oh, day game after a night game. That's my, my opinion. 
Yeah, I well, I agree. But I mean, first of all, just the strategy overall. I love it. I love this strategy. I think it is absolutely the right thing to do. And and this is like, I I do not like Kapler's ability to call X's and O's in a game. And I only say that so strongly because I absolutely 100% agree and feel the same way about how this coaching staff and he is approaching injuries and how they're resting their players. And in a lot of ways, those two things that I just said are contradictory, which I can do because I'm a fan. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, I appreciate that those are two sides to the same sword. Right. I mean, it's a double edged sword, that thing. Like if he wants to protect his players, it limits his ability to make those X's and O's moves. But that being said, I still think that he could do things a little bit differently, differently and a little bit better on the X's and O's side. But I absolutely think this is the right strategy to protect these players, to make sure that they stay healthy. Every athlete wants to compete. And I think it's really, really great when the organization and there, or when there's other people to override that impulse and say, yeah, I want you to compete too, but I want you to compete this year, not next year. Right. (laughs) right? And so I want you to stay healthy. And I think it is absolutely critical to this terms, this team's long-term success that they stay healthy. And health, I think, is one of the major concerns of this team. I think it's one of those areas where they think is a deep, deep flaw in the Major League Baseball is health. And that's why Zaidi has built a team with depth, because he knows that health is such a big, critical part of baseball. And I think they're also saying, like, we've got to keep our players healthy. So they're trying to do everything that they can to do that. And I commend them for it. And I I hope that they keep doing it. And so I would say Buster Posey, the Buster Posey plan should not be changed. I will say this, though. Kapler at the same time does seem to have this sort of hang up where this is the plan. This is what we decided to do. And no matter what happens in the game or what happens in a series of days should change that plan. Because if the plan was right, then it's not any worse now. And I disagree with that. So I think you're right. I do think that there are certain cases where we could have somebody like Buster Posey play. Like maybe he should play every game against the Dodgers because not because of the Dodgers, but because the Dodgers are the team that, is the hardest for the Giants to beat. And then I think you need to balance that though. Maybe he plays zero games against in a two game series or plays only one game in a three game series against the Rockies because the Rockies are really bad. And so he should play less there. I think you should also balance it around how many off days that you have. So I agree with you. I do think there should be a little bit flexibility. I also think that as the season progresses and it becomes more obvious how important each game is. They need to they need to loosen up on this rule a little bit. They need to extend people. They need to let Gasman and his tight hip pitch deeper into games. They need to let Posey play a day game after a night game because it's becoming more obvious how important this game is. And I think they need to make those adjustments as the season progresses. 
but it's not yet. It's yeah. not yet. The one exception to that, I think, would be, yeah, games against the Padres and the Dodgers, those games matter. Games against maybe the Cubs, who are better than I said they were, right, and are, are a wild card challenger, yeah, maybe those matter. But other than that, no, I think they should stick to the plan. I know it's frustrating. I know we all want to see these guys play. And I know Buster is having a year unlike, I mean, my, maybe his best year ever, right? Yeah. In the games that he's playing. And, and we all want to see him play every day, but it's working. And I, you know, I would much rather see a healthy Buster Posey in September than, than have him go out in July you know, and, and I can't prove that that's what would happen if they stopped doing it, but this is working. This is working. So, you know, yeah, but maybe in August, he starts playing every day. Maybe the second half of August, he starts playing every day because it's going to be more obvious that he needs to, and those games matter. Or maybe they're so far ahead and it doesn't matter and he can continue to do it. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I think complicating things is that Casale is hitting a buck oh nine, right? So, you know, know, if he was, (sighs) if he was a, uh... 225 hitter right or you know it, if it, it was a 200 hitter yeah, yeah, it, yeah maybe it wouldn't be as as glaring but boy there's a big difference when uh offensively when casali is playing and, yeah and yeah for sure it for definitely sure. shortens the lineup but uh but you know all right well that's an interesting thing i think you know just to wrap up our dodgers series today was uh today was the the mauricio de bone and austin slater you know kind of uh announcing that uh Hershizer's their female dog, and who? Uh, Austin Slater. No, you said you said Hershizer. Did I say Hershizer? Did did <laughs> we, we 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 can't go back in time, Matthew? We can't go it's, back. It's, in, we we can't go back into in me. time. It's locked into me. I uh, I met Clayton only, Kershaw. Of course. The only thing you know? the only thing we can do about Oral Hershizer is show Dodger fans him wearing a Giants uniform. That's all we can do. Yeah, and that's, that's still that's just a, that just that's just looks wrong. It's wrong. It's yeah, wrong to the day. Happened. It shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. have happened. Yeah, no. All right. Well, okay. Oh, clearly, I met Clayton Kershaw, uh, and and you know, which is I love seeing uh, Dubon, you know, hitting his home runs against uh, Kershaw and uh, and and Austin Slater as well. Both of them have been very have had success against Kershaw, which is uh, kind of fun to see these two young guys, you know, being um, not being intimidated by the great. Clayton Kershaw. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Especially and, when they stand up and they sit there and they just watch it. <laughs> they watch that majestic home run standing at home plate. Head and you know up. who also is not intimidated by Kershaw is Kevin Gausman. You know, <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, right. An RBI single RBI today. RBI single today, baby. <sighs> Which turned out to be the winning run. So that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, Because, you know, I think, I think Gausman knew that, you know, okay, I'm almost done here. I'm going to be done before and I'm going to have to rely on, uh, checks. And well, Latell's been pitching well, but McGee McGee and Latell both gave up, you know, long balls today. One to Max Muncy again. Can, can I just tell you a second about Max Muncy? Can we? Just, yeah, go, yeah, can, go can for we just it. Take yeah, it seems like something's been bugging you. Tell me about well, Max Muncy. So Max Muncy, yeah, you know, we, we, I feel like this whole Trevor Bauer hatred has been misplaced because, because really who's Trevor Bauer in the grand scheme of things when, when I, so I wrote in my notes when, and in game three, it was like that he had hit Muncy has hit prior to game three, it hit 10 home runs in his last 21 games against the Giants going into Saturday's game. And then I crossed that out 
And I wrote now 11 home runs in the last 22 games versus the Giants. And then today in my notes, I crossed that out again. And I wrote 12 home runs in the last 23 games. <laughs> the guy, I, I mean, why are we even pitching to him at this point? Why? Like why? I want them to put Jose Alvarez in and the first inning and just buzz him in the chin three or four times. I just, I, I want them to send a message to Mr. Muncy that they're not going to get fat fastballs down the middle or hanging breaking balls for him to tee off on. I want high heaters under his chin and I don't care if we walk him or hit him. I prefer, <laughs> kind of prefer that we hit him to be honest, but, but you know, I'm just sick of that guy. I'm sick of that guy. And I can't believe, I mean, he is, he's the one guy that you never hear about like about them, but the dude rakes. I mean, the, the dude, dude does rake. The dude in 2018 had 35 home runs. In 2019, yep. he had 35 home runs. He's had, uh, you know, he had 98 RBIs in 2019. 2020, he had 12 home runs while hitting a buck 92 in a 60 yep. game season, right? I mean, yep. and, and this year, you know, he's batting, what, 281? He's got 13 home runs, and I think 12 of them must be against the Giants. And, and it's just, why are we, why are we letting him do this? And, you know, I just, I feel like at some point, you know, giant pitchers need to be like, you know, showing him that they're not just going to like, you know, play batting practice with him anymore. And, you know, call that old school or whatever, but there needs to be something where he's not comfortable in the batter's box. Yeah. And, yeah. and they just let him do that. And it's just, it's so, it's getting predictable. Every time the guy gets up, it's like, Oh God. And, you know, and then he's, you know, the ones that he's not hitting out, he's hitting to the warning track. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like he's striking out or getting, you know, it's just, he's hitting us hard every time. And I'm so sick of it. And I just, I want, I want one pitcher to just put one in his ribs or, you know, or just, <laughs> just, just let him and then stare him down. And I want players to come out onto the field and stare each other down. And I want finger pointing across the way. And I want, I yeah. want that over Muncie. I want that to be just like, you know, the Giants saying never again, are you going to hurt us like that? And <sighs> yeah, that's what I want. And that's, what's bugging me is that guy like, you know, forget Trevor Bauer. Max Muncy is our arch nemesis. He is the one that we need to send a message to. And uh, um, I will say this. Yeah. In the old days, you know, in, in, I mean, this was a long time ago, maybe, maybe eighties is the last time they did things like that on a regular basis. But if a guy was wearing you out, yeah, that's what they did. They would put one in under your chin they would put you know and, and it wasn't even like oh you throw it behind him or you put it down in his legs or you put it in his hip no you put it in his ear hole and that was what you did the guys who were wearing you out the game has progressed a little bit since then and i will tell you this though if they did that to max muncie the next at bat if they accidentally threw him a strike he would still hit it out because he's that kind of dodger he's that dodger and you're absolutely right. Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer is fake. He is a bad actor trying to take advantage of a role that he thinks is easy. Trevor Bauer, like whatever, you know, he's not the, he's not the real villain. Max Muncie is the real villain. Exactly for the reason that I just said, because even if you tried stuff like that, he would still wear the giants out. He is 
the Will Myers of the Dodgers right now. He is the Dodger every Giants fan should hate because he is the guy that keeps sticking a sticking a dagger in their in our hearts. And and yes, Max Muncie is a problem. I do think that, you know, I, I don't know that I would advocate hitting him. I would advocate not giving him pitches to hit. And in that sense, I don't really care where they go. You know, ribs. <laughs> and, and, you know, hey, Jose Alvarez gets him, you know, maybe Jose gets, gets, gets suspended and Muncie hey, doesn't hit home runs and maybe it's a win-win situation. I mean, that's why I chose him. Well, Jose Alvarez, we can afford to lose for a couple of games. You know? Oh man. But, but anyway, but, but, but point is, I hear you. We've had enough of Matt Muncy. We got to stop letting him beat us. And there's lots of different ways to make that happen. I think, for example, let's let have the pitchers who have had success against him face him instead of letting the pitchers who haven't had success against him face them, like the whole Casimir Logan Webb situation. Um, totally agree with you there. Max Muncy is the villain that we need to worry about. He doesn't get the the all of the credit that that he deserves, but the guy can straight up hit and he is a giant killer. Absolutely. We should hate him a million times more than Trevor Bauer, but you know, he's not a real he's not really part of the Dodger giant Dodger rivalry. He's just a putz that nobody likes. We went five and one this week, reasserted our dominance in the National League West. The rest of America doesn't want to admit it, but the Giants are just as good as the Dodgers and Padres. Yep. At this point, we're the number one wild card team. We have a two game lead over the Dodgers uh, for the second wild card. The Dodgers are closer to not being a playoff team than they are to being ahead of the Giants. Can you imagine the media, like just like what that's going to be if they don't make the playoffs? I mean, they're, they're going to be on the last day of the season after the Giants have already clinched, waiting for the Giants' disaster to happen. Uh, you know, they're like going to they demand just, a recount. They just—they are. They're going to be going to demand a recount, and then they're going to hire. They're going to hire their own crazy, you know, made-up company to come do the recount for them. That's right. And Dodger fans will storm the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, thanks for hanging with us, listeners. And uh, Ben, where can they find you? They can find me at WatchBenFail on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, Matthew, also, where can they find you? Well, they can find us at, at Giant Cocktails on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can also find our drink recipes there as well. Uh, and you can find me personally at, at SonomaYGuy on Twitter. And uh, don't forget to subscribe or like uh, all that you can on these podcasts. That would help us so much. Yeah. And, and tell your friends, tell your friends, if you tell your, your fellow Giants fans, we see you guys listening out there in Texas and we see you people out there in New York and we see you people in Canada. Tell your friend, you know, tell your other, just whisper to them. Hey, Hey, I, I know. Uh, I know we're not supposed to like the Giants cause we're in Texas, but this giants podcast i really like it you should give it a listen tell them about us man don't be afraid don't be afraid we got your back we got your back that's right that's right all right well hey until next week guys uh we'll see you next time cheers ben cheers my friend and uh thanks you guys for listening bye bye